I'm going to um, be a little bit different this morning, probably, to what you're used to. You're a well-taught church, aren't you? You have lots of good teaching here, don't you? Yes? Or is it not that good? (laughs) You can be real with me. (laughs) You can tell me what you like because I won't be around tomorrow. So, I'm not really going to preach this morning. Uh, I'm going to I am going to read a passage from the Bible and then I'm almost entirely going to ignore it. <laughs> I just want you to know something about me if you don't know me. I, I, I am a I am a reason, reasonable Bible teacher and uh, I was trained by Arnold Bell. There you go, and he's been a great mentor to me over the years in my teaching. I'm a, a careful Bible expositor. We're in our second year of working through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we, uh, we take our time with such things, as I know you do here. But that's what, what we're going to do this morning. It's going to be a little bit different. Are you okay with that? Good. Because we're going to do it anyway, but I just want to... <laughs> I at least want the pretense of, of, uh, of being polite. I'm going to read to you just a few verses from uh, Joshua chapter 4, and uh, just a few verses from the end of that chapter, and and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Joshua 4 verse 19, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over it, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I I, I come to you this morning essentially with, with two things. The first is to share a, a conviction uh, with you, um, which is kind of articulated in this passage, and I'll, and I'll explain that in a moment. And secondly, to, to share some stories with you of some of the things that God has been doing in Grace Church Nottingham over the past few weeks, uh, which I feel is an encouragement um, underlining and, and supporting this conviction I want to share with you. And uh, I hope it will encourage you and, uh, and help you to seek God for some fresh things here in Sheffield. The conviction is this. Before I do that, let's just comment on this passage. 
a, a remarkable, miraculous event has just occurred. After these 40 years of wandering in the desert, God has opened up the Jordan River and the nation of Israel has crossed over into the promised land on dry ground. It's an extraordinary miracle, an extraordinary event, an extraordinary breakthrough. And a, a move of God of national significance. And they all saw it. They, they, they walked through the dry ground of the riverbed. And they'd already seen this 40 days before with the Red Sea, sorry, 40 days, 40 years before, with the Red Sea parted before them and all of Pharaoh's army swallowed up. This is extraordinary days. And yet, God said, I want you to build a stone memorial to what I've done here because it won't be very long before you all forget about it. I mean, come on. If you'd been there on that day, you'd think, we're never, ever going to forget this. We've never seen anything like this. This God is amongst us. God is with us. God is the God of the breakthrough. How could we forget? And yet the, the reality is that within a generation, it really started to forget. You've only got to read the rest of the book of Joshua and then into Judges to see the result of that. God is very concerned that we feed our children and the coming, the generation that comes through with the stories of what He has done in our lives and in previous generations, lest we forget. Because we are an incredibly forgetful people. Is that not true? We all are. We move on so fast and we forget what God has done yesterday and we start worrying about today. And how much more so with breakthrough moves of God. Now for my conviction. (laughs) I I have a, I think it started with a concern. I, I, I had a concern, Penny and I, been sharing this for some time. We have a, a, a young church in, in Nottingham, a very, very young church. Some of you are young, some of you are not so young. We, we, the average age in the, in the church in Nottingham is, is in the mid-twenties, I guess, maybe less than that. Hundreds of students, hundreds of young, of graduates, young professionals. And uh, the vast majority of them have never seen or experienced a move of the Holy Spirit. Now let me quantify what I mean by that. 
we, we, as a church, like you, we believe in freedom in worship and participatory worship and the, the gifts flowing. We, we're very intentional about uh, teaching and praying for people to be baptized in the Spirit and encourage them to speak in tongues. I'm not saying that they don't know the Holy Spirit working in their individual lives. I'm not saying that we don't have some Sundays where you feel as if somehow the, the presence of God is uh, uh, particularly with you and you make room for that and maybe pray for one another and, and some things start to happen. But I'm talking about a breakthrough, overwhelming, outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is tangible in its intensity and brings about changes of heart and mind and perspective and brings freedom and joy. And though lots of crazy things happen and lots of things that you think, well, I'm not too sure about that, the overriding thrust of it is that suddenly people are revived in their faith and with a fresh passion for Jesus. And all suddenly all the things, that first love that strangely they seem to have forgotten and mislaid along the way with all the concerns and pressures of life suddenly comes flooding back suddenly is thrown into sharp relief bright perspective do you hear what I'm saying we have a generation that knows almost nothing of that it's not their fault (laughs) but I think God's clock is ticking and out of that concern has arisen a conviction that it's time that God move again on a young generation not just that they can hear old codgers like me. I, I am quite old. I'm 33 <laughs> next week, but I've had a hard life. Not just so that they can listen to old codgers like me go on about the good old days, but that they can get some good new days for themselves. God's concerned that they do. So that they know the might of his hand in their lives and so that they can affect their generation and this society. Amen? That's my conviction. I I believe God is going to move again. I don't know when. You can't prescribe that. You cannot create that. You cannot make it happen. But I believe that you can pray. I believe that you can ask and I believe that we can begin to shake off the cobwebs and the dust and of our lives and begin to make some fresh room and get a fresh appetite for the things of God. I think we can start to recall the things that God has done in the past in our own lives. I think we can start to read certain books again. I have literally been dusting off my collection of books on revival, which I have not touched in years, sadly, to my shame. 
I've begun to read and immerse myself in the stories of what God has done in the past. I've been walking around the memorial stones of God's great acts in history. Because essentially, the story of the people of God in the Old Testament and in the New and in history is a story of successive revivals. Revival meaning that God comes to something which is alive but waning, going sleepy, starting to lose its focus and its intensity and its passion. Usually against a backdrop of great darkness and apostasy and turning away from God in wider society. Usually, you know what God's like, when the odds against him are stacked so high it looks utterly hopeless. And the church feels incapable of making any difference. And then God comes to his church, always to his church first, and revives her. Usually starting with small groups, a handful praying here, a small meeting there. Comes to them in his awesome And we somewhat overuse that word. I actually mean it in its true sense. His awesome, intense presence breathes new life into them. People that have been away from God begin to come back to him. People on the edges of church come to him quickly. Churches start to fill, and then churches start to overspill into the world around them with a fresh, bright witness that is utterly compelling and starts to have an effect in society. And historically then, some of those revivals, some are just local affairs in a church, in a town or a city or a nation, some like as termed great awakenings, have then gone intercontinental and have led to the kind of societal reform that we saw witnessed in the 19th century, Wilberforce, Shaftesbury, and concerted missionary endeavor to the nations. Hudson Taylor, William Carey, all birthed Out of God reviving his church. Almost invariably, God starting with a little group of believers who began to get concerned that they needed a move of God in their day. And began to develop in prayer a conviction that God's clock was ticking and that perhaps even now, God might be about to move. I was... um, I'm going to tell some stories now. Is that okay? (laughs) I'm not just telling stories. I'm, I'm building memorial stones 
for us. You've got your own stories. I, I'm modeling something to you. Some of you have probably seen other things and greater things than I have seen. I'm, I'm urging you to start dusting down the memorial stones. The, the coming generation, the generation that is amongst us, the generation represented even in this room, need you to tell the stories again. I'm urging you to get your revival books out. And if you haven't got, got any, get on Amazon and get some. Talk to the elders and leaders here. They'll give you some recommendations. I don't have time to get into that. Start reading the stories. You will be astonished at the works that God has done. I was uh, saved into a church that, I, looking back, I would say was probably experiencing at least a touch of a local revival. This is down in Woking in Surrey in the, in the 70s and 80s, Baptist minister who'd spoken against the move of the Spirit that was become known as renewal because... People were getting renewed in the Holy Spirit and in the gifts of the Spirit. He, he, he spoke against it and said, no, it's not right. This isn't from God. And then, and then God met with him powerfully at a Baptist minister's fraternal and he uh, revised his views, um, instantly. <laughs> and he taught, he began to teach his church about the gifts of the Spirit and the, the presence of the Spirit, and he brought the whole church through into the baptism of the Spirit and taught them about the gifts of the Spirit, freedom in worship. They began to see moves of God in, their, in, in the congregation, and the congregation began to grow. They began to see people saved on a regular basis. They learned how to set people free from demons. They learned how to heal the sick. God was moving amongst them. And I don't suppose for one moment they would have called it revival. And I know I didn't come in at the tail end of it. But I look back now and I think, well, it's certainly a little bit like revival looks like. And the church grew very, very significantly over a number of years and it was a place, by the time I got there, it was the kind of tail end of what God had been doing. And I, I take it as pure coincidence that my arrival meant the departure of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he, he didn't depart, but the intensity kind of died down. And, and the church went through some problems, as churches sometimes do. Um, but uh, when, when, I, when I, as a, a brand new Christian, in the late 80s, in this church, it was a place of raw power. I, I am not exaggerating. Of raw power. Where you could encounter the tangible presence of God. I, the, I, I, I had a, a, a radical conversion, as all conversions are, but sometimes we're not so aware of it personally at the time. Uh, but I, I, I and but I was Penny, uh, the, my wife, who is not my wife at the time. She took me to the church for the first time, and I hated it. I couldn't stand the 
freedom in worship and grown men crying and lifting their hands in the air, the sheer intensity of the experience frightened me and I left uh, after three songs and went down the pub and waited for her to finish. I found a nice safe Anglican church to go to. Unfortunately, I was ambushed somewhat because the, the vicar there was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and urged that I should too. Eventually, I found myself in this dilemma that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with Penny, but she was uh, in, well established in this charismatic church, and, which I didn't like. And I was growing in this tiny little Anglican church where they looked after me, and I thought she should join me, and she said, no, I should join her. And I think normally it'd be right for, you know, the girl to tuck in with the guy, uh, but on this occasion, I think there were lots of reasons why actually I was, res- it wasn't the church, I was resisting God, and what then the work of the Holy Spirit. And I went along to her meetings from time to time, and I was in one meeting, and I decided that this was the deciding meeting. This was the meeting I was going to decide. If, if, if I cannot cope with this church, I am going to walk away from this girl. And I loved her very, very much. And I was wrestling with this. And uh, it was the end of the meeting. It was not a big meeting. It wasn't the size of this. It was about a 100 people. Uh, we, we met in congregations in those days, about five congregations across the town. And it was the, our morning congregation was just about a 100 people in a cold school hall with, uh, with, with hardwood floor. And, and it was messy and dusty and not very spiritual. Not, a, not an atmosphere conducive to a move of the Holy Spirit. We didn't have the right music playing in the background. We didn't have lots of soft carpets and soft furnishings. How could the Holy Spirit possibly move in such an environment? And I was at the back and, and the, the, the pastor said, there are people here today, you're wrestling with a major life-changing decision and the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you and to help you make that decision. And uh, I'd like to pray with anyone who feels, identifies with that. And I thought, well, gosh, that must be me. So I walked to the front. I walked to the front of the meeting. And, and remember, this is not my church. I do not identify with these people. They are all crazy. But I'm wrestling with, I'm the only sensible one here, even though I've only been saved six months. I know better than all of them. And I, and yet, I was wrestling with God and it had a resonance in my heart. And so I came and I got within about if no I, I can't do it I, I feel trapped up here I got within about this close of Mark the pastor walking towards him and he turned towards me and lifted his hand and as he lifted his hand towards me the power of God came on me and overwhelmed me and I began to fall backwards. Not, uh, uh. And as I went, I thought, I am falling backwards. (laughs) It was a profound revelation to me. I am falling backwards. And, And it's a hard, cold, dusty floor. 
And there's no one to catch me. Not that I'd ever seen that kind of thing happen anyway. There's no one around. This is going to hurt. And, and it didn't. And I don't even remember touching the floor. And for the next hour, I was under the power of God. And when I eventually was able to get up, I was a changed man. And the decision was made. I tell you that as an illustrator, the raw power of God. Have you known that in your life? It was a feature of those early days. I was fortunate enough to be fathered by men who'd been through revival and been through renewal and had a sensitivity and a hunger for the Holy Spirit, a longing that he should have free reign in a meeting. He gave me lots of practical advice about how to minister in a move of God's Spirit, who built an expectation within me for nothing less than being in a church filled with the Spirit of God. And who taught week in, week out, week in, week out about revival. Sometimes explicitly, sometimes just with little references. I was steeped in the history of revival. Our prayer meetings were for revival. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many are being are just right now even being stirred by what I'm saying because you too have known such times? I pray right now, Holy Spirit, just keep your hands there. Right now, come on these dear ones. Breathe on the memorial stones in their hearts and their minds. Come right now. Holy Spirit's just resting on you right now. Refreshing you. It's like taking out an old photograph album. It's like getting the the wedding photographs out. Then in 1994, the Spirit of God came in a extraordinary wave and I, I wouldn't I don't know that that led to revival in the classic sense that we would understand it of not only reviving the church but breaking out into society but nonetheless it was a genuine move of God amongst us and yes some crazy things happened and yes some fleshly things happened but what do you expect we are flesh when the Spirit of God comes, 
Sometimes we react in strange ways and some people do silly things and we're not all as mature as we should be and so what? But nonetheless, at the heart of it, this was a genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I could regale you with many stories about that, but I don't think I shall. How many of you... um, were, uh, lived through the sort of mid-90s outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'd just be really interested to see. That's fascinating. Okay, many of you. And you have your own story, so I won't, I won't bore you with mine. But I, I want to encourage you to start reflecting on some of those stories again. I think some of us got a bit disillusioned at the end of that. I think many of us who, who wanted to see a classic revival breaking out into society and wondered why we were still rolling on the carpet laughing <laughs> after two or three years. I think some of us got a bit disillusioned. I know I did at one point. I'll tell you what, I'd love to have those days back, actually. I've grown up a bit. I have decided I am not going to prescribe to God how he should move and what he should do. I'm not going to dare to try and say this is authentic and this isn't. I'm going to make space for God to be God and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to be discerning. I'm going to abandon my brains. But I'm not going to try and put God in a box. That's what I've decided anyway. 20 years now since uh, Toronto, since the Spirit started moving in that fresh wave, nearly 20 years, 19 years. And I think God has done a lot of things in those last 20 years, actually. And I wonder if the future church historians might see a link. I don't know. But I think even within our own family of churches, we have seen extraordinary growth both in numbers of churches planted, in the size of many of our churches, in things like Alpha, which, you know, actually prior to the 90s, we had gone through a phase in my church down in Woking where we hardly saw anyone saved year in, year out. It was a dry time. God has been doing many things. A concern for the poor, for social justice has arisen amongst us. A fresh unity between churches. I think God has done many wonderful things. Actually, a lot of physical healing. A lot more than we were probably seeing 20 years ago, I, I, in, in my experience anyway. I think God has been doing a lot. But I also think that we may have lost some things along the way. I think sometimes we've become a little bit too professional. I'm not speaking to you as a church, and I'm speaking just very broadly, and I'm sharing in my own heart very, very broadly. A little bit professional, a little bit too sophisticated sometimes. Sometimes our worship is more contemporary than charismatic. I think that we've, in many places, again, not here, But in many places, people are losing confidence 
in ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People are getting added to our churches because they like the freedom of a sort of charismatic meeting, but are not personally filled with the Spirit. You know, that's a phenomenon you see in the book of Acts as well, in Acts chapter 8. People got added to the euphoria of an authentic move of God as Philip preached in Samaria. And then when the apostles came down, they found that people there had not personally received the Holy Spirit, even though they had believed and been baptized in water. Interesting, isn't it? (laughs) I'll keep going for a little bit. I think that we've lost confidence in deliverance I don't know if you see much of that here I'll tell you some stories in a moment this almost certainly won't be true of you because I know Arnold's heart for it we talked about it often but many of our churches no longer speak about revival see it as something that's old-fashioned. We've kind of moved on from that, which is a bit of a shame. I asked a group of our students uh, a fortnight ago. There's about 60 of them there. I said, how many of you know anything at all about revival? These are my students, my responsibility. About six hands went up out of 60. I have neglected this myself. I think I've taught on it once in the last few years that I can remember. I'm starting to dust those books out again. These are some of my concerns and convictions. Okay? Are you you still with me? I have one gentleman here who wants me to keep going. Do I have any advance on one gentleman? (laughs) Four, five Sundays ago today, We were having our pre-meeting huddle on a Sunday morning. I was due to preach on giving. We'd got an offering coming up for refurbishment of our building. It was an important Sunday. And we sorted out the agenda for the morning. And then we began to pray. And as we were praying, we normally just pray for five minutes and go out and get on with the really important things starting the meeting and what have you, suddenly the Holy Spirit just fell on me, which was very embarrassing because I began to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and then could no longer stand and collapsed on the floor laughing and then tried to get up because I'm the leader of the church and I needed to get up and we were about to start a meeting and I found I couldn't get up because I was pinned to the floor laughing, crying, tears, mess crumpled on the floor actually crumpled on one of my fellow elders who was also laughing and I had my head in his lap and I couldn't get up and he couldn't get up and time was going by and eventually the team had to get up and go and start the meeting without us and I could hear the drums coming and the song starting and everything going and I just couldn't get up off the floor and eventually I did manage to get up and made it into the meeting and Just, I didn't want to hype anything up. 
And so I just took my place alongside my wife and uh, we worshipped. And there came a point I thought I must do something. And so I got up to try and explain to people what had happened to me and that I sensed that God was wanting to do something broader in the church. And I found I was unable to speak, which is annoying to me. Although a great blessing to everyone else. I was unable to speak except in odd little phrases and I just couldn't articulate anything. And then I, 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 the next thing I knew, the power of God came on me again and I was knocked flat on the platform. Which is embarrassing, although I wasn't embarrassed at the time. It was hilarious for me. I lay there on the platform on my back with my legs in the air and my hands in the air laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing in a church average ages in the early 20s they've never seen anything like this I, one of my young elders he's 26 he came up onto the platform I said, and I said Steve come and do something he said what I said I said this is God and I managed to get hold of his, le- his leg and he's standing there and I said this is God I'm giving him instructions and then he's giving these instructions out and and the funny thing is it worked and he said he's never seen any of this before never seen it and so there's some of the old some of the old boys and girls in the congregation they're saying oh hallelujah god's on the move this is like the old days they're all jumping up and down we've got some old pentecostal ladies they thought heaven had come to earth the pastor's on his back laughing anything can happen and uh and <laughs> but my young guys they never seen anything like this i said it's okay it's god clear the chairs get the people in the middle Ask the Spirit to come and get on with it. And that's what he did. And the Holy Spirit came. And it was chaos in a wonderful way. Hallelujah. No preaching, I'm afraid. Couldn't possibly speak. I kept trying to get up. I just couldn't. People said afterwards they had had the most powerful encounters with God that they'd ever had. People would that had never seen this stuff, were shaking and crying and laughing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. People, Some people were on the floor, others just standing, others kneeling, just... One of our, our leaders, uh, a, a young woman, very bright, faithful young woman, been with us many years, she started to shriek as demons manifested in her. And my wife and and one of the other girls were able to set her free. Hallelujah. The presence of God came and things that were concealed in her life, and not actually really through her own sin, but through oppression, things that had happened to her in the past were brought to the surface and she was set free in a moment. Our Jesus is a mighty conqueror. He's a deliverer. In the evening, we thought we wondered what on earth is going to happen. We have an evening congregation, a bit like you do. We gathered for prayer beforehand. And as we prayed, the Spirit came upon us 
and with great joy. And then another lady was frozen. She said frozen like as if she'd stepped into a deep freeze and she was pinned to the wall and began to manifest demonically. Penny and I then got involved in praying for her and setting her free. That it occupied us for the next 40 minutes. She's a fine young woman. We never had any idea. Which meant that we didn't get involved in starting the meeting downstairs. They had to carry on without us. You notice a theme here. <laughs> Remove me from the meetings and God comes. I came down 40 minutes later to see what, how they were doing downstairs with the meeting. And it was pandemonium. People all over the place, bodies everywhere, the presence of God coming. The first sight I saw was my younger daughter. She helped us plant the church. She came to Nottingham when she was 12. She's nearly 24 now. When she was 16, she, she left the church. She gave up on following Jesus and she threw herself wholeheartedly into a life of worldliness with relationships and drink and drugs. And we've remained good friends, but it's broken our hearts and she's thrown her life away. And last year she, she's decided that she, she couldn't go down that track any further and she finished with her current boyfriend, not a Christian, and she started coming back to Grace Church, but it's been hard for her. And she's been going through the motions. She's there one week, not there the next week. The first thing I saw when I came down into that evening meeting was my daughter at the front, weeping and shaking under the power of God. And she has been transformed. She's hot for Jesus. In a way, she says she never even knew before. Uh, she was at the youth workers conference with me yesterday and gave her testimony. And she was shaking up on the platform the whole time, not through nerves, but under the power of the spirit that was resting on her. She's a transformed woman. She's been set free from demonic stuff. She has repented of sin. She's got a passion for, for God that beyond what she ever knew. This is fruit. This is God. We've seen people who are on the edge coming back to Jesus. We've seen a fresh passion for him. We've seen many set free from demons. Every meeting, just about, there's been deliverance of some sort or another. It's made us very busy. It's been very tiring. It's not been the same every week. But it has been real. And I would say this, I'm not making any big claims about it. I don't know how long it will last. I don't know what God's doing. But I feel it feels like the water level is rising in, in our church. And, and, and it's not just breaking out in our meetings. We had a meeting, the student meeting I was referring to. We had a ministry time. At the end of it, I prayed for people. I thought the power of God is going to come and there's going to be holy chaos. That's what I thought. 
And I prayed for person after person after person, and nothing much seemed to happen. And then reports came in. The next day, one young couple, there's, they're, 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 they're in a relationship. They're, they're probably going to get married. They're medical undergraduates, lovely couple. She's only been saved about a year. They were going to have a chill-out evening with a film. They decided that instead they would read their Bibles. She opened up her Bible at the Gospel of John, and she tried to read out loud, and she couldn't speak. So he said, I'll do it. So he started to read, but found it very, very difficult, and didn't get very far, and the power of God fell upon them. They spent the next two hours laughing in the joy of the Holy Spirit unable to get off the floor and stories like that have been coming in even this week my PA who has admitted that she was a bit skeptical about it all was sat talking with a friend and suddenly the power of God came upon both of them and they were unable to do anything for the next two hours just laughing and laughing experiencing the joyful presence of God you cannot manufacture that you cannot recreate that This is a move of God in their lives. Dear friends, we have a generation that needs a move of God in their lives. Don't we? We have a society that desperately needs to see a revived church. I don't see any hope for our dear nation. I love my nation. I wouldn't want to be alive at any other time. We have a, a nation without hope with, unless God's church is revived. That's my concern. That's my conviction. I feel it's time to dust down the memorial stones. I mean, it's time to pray for a fresh move of God in this generation. Amen.